The MMA on the Rocks podcast is intended for adult audiences and does contain some explicit content. So if you are not an adult, please make sure your parents do not know you are listening to this and do not repeat anything you hear on this show in front of them. Also a reminder that even if you fight recklessly, please remember to drink responsibly. Now that we have that out of the way, let's get to the show. Welcome to MMA on the Rocks. My name is Bill Welker. You are listening to episode 189 of the podcast. Or you're joining us live on YouTube or Facebook. Today is Monday, May the 11th. Took the day off yesterday because it's Mother's Day. So happy Mother's Day to all the wonderful mothers out there, um, including my mother, including the mother of my child, my beautiful wife who does a great job raising our child, especially times like this when uh, when she's very energetic and I got a breakaway to do a podcast. And, of course, the famous soup chef, <laughs> Mrs. Wilson. <laughs> Happy Mother's Day to her. So with that, let me introduce my co-host all the way from New Jersey, Jeff, the animal Wilson. Jeff, a very happy Mother's Day to Mrs. Animal Wilson over there. And a happy Mother's Day to the Mrs. and Mrs. Welker. Thank Both you. Mrs. and Mrs. Welker. I'll drink to that. Yeah, dude. So, Bill, what'd you end up doing for the Mrs.? Um, well, surprisingly, she just wanted to have like a laid back day. Uh, so we just we just went out to the beach and and did some uh, very distant social distancing we stayed like 60 feet away from anybody um so we have a you know this jeff we have a, a property that we rent out over on the beach and um there's nobody to uh rent it out to right now because it's not we're not allowed to be renting it so we decided to just go out there uh, spend mother's day at the beach have, have a low-key day she told me um you know you just change all the diapers and take care of the kid and i'll be happy today and i'm like hey that's all i gotta do nice um, I'm like all the diapers. She's like, yeah, all the diapers. Uh, so yeah, that was it. Uh, how about how about yourself, Jeff? What'd you do for uh, for for Mrs. Animal Wilson yesterday? Well, my sister and I kind of came together and we ordered food for her and my dad because it was also my dad's birthday on Saturday. Uh, we got a whole bunch of flowers for my mom. Um, so, yeah, it, it was good. It was good being all of us together because there's not too many times where all of us are together nowadays, you know, with the nieces and nephews as well. And my mom's grandkids. So good time. Good food. Had some tiramisu. Thought of Tony Ferguson. <laughs> in honor of, like in honor of Khabib, yes, this tiramisu time. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, it, it's um, you know, the recent times really make you appreciate. Uh, <laughs> my mom says thanks because she's watching. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> it, times like this really make you appreciate, um, you know, things things like that. Just you know, Sundays with family because, uh, you know, it's not so easy anymore. And, um, yeah, so uh, it's good that you got the opportunity to do that. I mean, things that, that even seem like kind of boring or get old after a while, it, it's like you, you start to even miss them. So that's awesome. Uh, I'm, I'm glad Mrs. Wilson had a, had a great mother's day over there. Jeff, good job. Um, I hope you ordered some soup for takeout Didn't make her cook yesterday. No, no, no. We, we just had, uh, some grilled chicken, 
some rice and beans that my dad got. So what we did was Friday, Saturday, my sister and I paid for everything. And then yesterday, my dad went out and got some stuff. So it was good. Awesome. Awesome. Um, so all happy stuff, but I, I, I hate to, to bring things on a down note, but I woke up this morning and I found out that um, one, one of my favorite bit character actors ever, Jerry Stiller, passed away, 92 years old, uh, natural causes. Of course, the father of Ben Stiller, uh, famous actor and comedian. And that was a bummer, man. Um, I, I don't know if you were into Seinfeld at all, Jeff, but uh, I, I'll never forget uh, Jerry Stiller uh, as George Costanza's father and, and uh, inventing the holiday at Festivus. That, that's one of my favorite sitcom moments of all time. And you know I'm a big Cheers fan, um, as you are now as well. But, uh, you know, that Festivus thing, when he's just telling the story of how he thought of it, how he was he was in the store and he and he meets up with a guy and they're going for like the last thing and he's like as I rained blows down upon him, <laughs> it's 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 one of the funniest things and, and um you know my family and I often quote that scene around the holidays when when he's introducing Festivus so that's my um that's my favorite Jerry Stiller moment so hopefully uh you know everybody remembers him for the laughs instead of um, being sad at he's passing, you know, he lived a long life, 92. That's a, that's a good run. Uh, I, I don't know. What are your thoughts on that, Jeff, before we get into the MMA stuff? Yeah. I, you know, I never really watched Seinfeld growing up, but I, something I did watch growing up was the King of Queens with Kevin James okay. and, and um, what's her name? Leah Ramini. Mm -hmm. uh, I think that's how you pronounce her name, but uh, Jerry Stiller was Leah Ramini's father who like wouldn't move out. Yeah. So he lived with them and he had some great bits on that show, man. I can't remember any off the top of my head, but I just remember being so entertained by him. Like he was just so on the money you know, with his delivery and stuff, man. Yeah. Yeah. He had great comedic timing, which, you yeah. know, there's a lot of funny people and, it, and especially like the kind of character he would play where it always kind of be the same character. It could get old after a while, but his timing was just so good. And he knew like how to slide in and out of the spots um, that, that it just worked so well. Um, and, and, you know, he, he'll be missed as a, as a comedian and an actor for sure. Um, so yeah, that was a bummer, man. But, um, anyway, it, it, people are probably sick of, of hearing us talk about things other than fighting because it's been, you know, whatever it was, 10 weeks without a fight. And, uh, you know, now we can finally get back to, uh, I guess what we're experts in Jeff and that's talking about <laughs> mixed martial arts. <laughs> I guess if, it, if there's any reason people tune into the show, it's because they think we're experts in this. Um, that's neither here nor there. Uh, but UFC 249, I, I guess we got to get this out of the way. Uh, not without controversy, of course, because one of the only live sporting events taking place right now um, and the UFC taking every precaution. Were the precautions enough? I don't know. Jeff, I'm not a doctor. I'm not a scientist. I, I don't know how this shit works. Um, I do know that they put a lot of time and effort and money into everything. And that, um, you know, that says something. And and then, of course, one of the fighters on the car, Jacare Souza, tested positive for the coronavirus. And, uh, of course, there was a, a big wave of people who came along and said, that's it. This is going to cancel the whole event. And 
I, I don't know how to explain this to people who don't know anything about a business, but if you think that the UFC was going to fly all these fighters to Jacksonville, Florida and their coaches and their team and a crew and set up a cage, which is set up, you know, well before the event takes place and test everybody like three times a day or whatever they were doing just to cancel the whole event. When one person tested positive, um, I, I mean, I hope just explaining it that way says it all <laughs> that, that that wouldn't be enough to set it off. Now, if it was one person, then another person had tested positive, like after interacting with everybody and, and after being on the airplane and everything like that, that's a different story. But um, they kind of knew that Jacare had been exposed to somebody with it and that he may have had it. It may have been asymptomatic. And that's why, uh, you know, he stayed away from Uriah Hall during the faceoffs and stuff. And, you know, there were pictures on Instagram of, of him, like in pretty close proximity to some of the other fighters, which, um, you know, hopefully doesn't turn out to be bad news for anybody. Uh, but yeah, if you, if you thought that they're, they were going to cancel the show, uh, I hate to break it to you, but you were only doing them a favor by talking about it on social media. The, the fact that it might get canceled because then people are like, Oh, there was UFC this weekend. Uh, so, but um, you know, anybody who doesn't understand that is probably not listening to this show anyway. So I'm just spinning my wheels, uh, Jeff. Uh, and by the way, we got uh, flying Brian Jeffries tuning in here to, and and graciously told us that that we're experts in booze and, and I do appreciate that comment. <laughs> Cheers, Brian. Uh, but Jeff, give me your thoughts on the on the Jacare situation here. Yeah, Bill. You know, I was a little worried, not so much. Uh, that they would cancel the card. Just worried for, you know, the fighters who were around him. You know, how many people do you think he high-fived or just, you know, spoke to passing through the hallway or something? So that was my main concern, but I didn't think they would cancel this card. Not over, you know, one fighter. And like you said, they flew all these guys out there, uh, their teams. They probably have a whole crew. So I really didn't think that um, this fight card was going to be canceled at all but uh you know hopefully uh nobody else gets sick from all this hopefully uh everybody comes out okay and you know a speedy recovery to jakari as well yeah yeah hopefully he's doing all right and his family's okay i think two of his cornermen uh tested positive as well so hopefully um you know nobody gets too sick but Man, I mean, it speaks to Jacare's character as a fighter, you know, because he knew he was exposed to somebody and he still came out and cut weight, which compromises your immune system. Um, it, you know, credit to, to every fighter who came out and and traveled and, uh, you know, had to had to be uncomfortable and, and go through all these extra precautions, because at the end of the day, there's there's not going to be an asterisk over any of these wins or losses on this card. Um, you know, some people may remember like, oh yeah, that happened, uh, you know, during the whole coronavirus thing. And there, there was no, there was no crowd and they, they had to be uncomfortable and they probably didn't get good sparring or good training. And they put themselves at so much risk cutting weight and it had to increase the anxiety of fighting so much. Uh, nobody's going to remember it that way. People are going to see on paper, oh, Henry Cejudo beat Dominic Cruz, uh, TKO in the second round. And, th and that's it. Um, you know, a handful of people will remember the circumstances, uh, but in the history books, everybody's going to see the wins and losses just the same as any other card. And that's the way it goes. Here's the, here's the one thing that, that I was thinking about, Jeff, because, um, and again, I don't want to talk too much about this coronavirus stuff because I'm not an expert in it. And I, I don't know anything about the science behind it, um, you know, ex except, 
you know, the, the, the research I've done on my own and I, I don't, I don't even really know what to believe anymore, especially with the media. Um, but the, the way they test it, right. Cause I've seen the videos of them testing the fighters and I've seen this test done. They take like a 10 inch Q-tip, right. And they stick it in your nose all the way to like the back of your skull. Right. And they <laughs> yeah. got to swab like the, they got to swab like the bottom part of your brain matter or, or whatever. But it, it, everything you hear on the news and, and you read about the science behind this virus, it can live on a surface for days and days, like 14 or 15 days. And, uh, you know, if you sneeze on somebody, they can get it. So why do they have to put the Q-tip all the way to the back of your brain to get the swab of it? Like, can't they just, can't they just make you spit in a cup and then the, the virus is in there and they just, they could just see it in a microscope or something. I, I don't know. Maybe I'm missing something with this, Jeff. But um, it seems like it seems like the way they test for it is a little unnecessary. Like there's just some sadistic dude that's like, you know what I always wanted to do is stick a Q-tip <laughs> into somebody's brain. <laughs> um, <laughs> I don't know. Is it just me, Jeff, or does it seem like there, there could be an easier way to find out if somebody has this thing? I don't know, dude. I mean, it seems like we're just making up the rules as we go along. I've heard that, you know, I've been doing some reading because I have this news app on my phone and people are saying that it causes blood clots, this virus, that it messes up your feet and gives you leprosy on your feet. I don't know, Bill. So I don't know. I think we're just making up the rules as we go along. Yeah. Um, it, it, this sounds like when the UFC first started. Yeah. Is what it sounds like. May cause a dry cough or leprosy. <laughs> like that's a, or or you could be asymptomatic. Like that's a wide spectrum. Um, in any case, Jeff, uh, we're we, neither one of us have a medical degree it, it between us. If you combine like all the reading we've done and everything, it doesn't equate to anything close to being a doctor. So sh we shouldn't be talking about this. Um, I mean, on that note, we shouldn't be talking about fighting either. <laughs> not like we have that much knowledge about it, but in any case, UFC 249, man. Um, I don't know if it's just the circumstances and the fact that we've been deprived of MMA for so long, but uh, this card was incredible, man, top to bottom. Uh, you know, a little bit of controversy, which, you know, makes things fun and, and gives you things to talk about. Um, and you know, some titles being awarded and being retained and retirements. And uh, there's a lot to get into here, Jeff. So let's start at the top at the main event, Justin Gaethje, man, looking like a sniper in there against Tony Ferguson. And we saw a, a cool calm collected Justin Gaethje. And that, that's a scary thing, man. Uh, you know, he had Trevor Whitman, uh, doing an awesome job in his corner, talking him off the ledge. Um, it, you know, because it looked like he was really gassing himself out in that first round and a half or so. And then I think it was between rounds two and three. He's like, you don't have to put everything behind every punch. You don't have to try and get this guy out of there quick. You, you know, you got the gas tank, you know, just hit him with clean shots. And, and that's exactly what he did. And he actually improved his striking accuracy. I think he was like number one or number two in the UFC with striking accuracy. And he, he actually improved his numbers in that. Um, and, and just pieced Tony Ferguson apart uh, where by the end of the fight, and, you know, credit to Tony, one of the toughest men walking the face of the earth, because he took some shots from Justin Gaethje uh, that that would put most people down, most welterweights, probably middleweights, even I would venture to say. And, and Tony stood in there and hung in there. But um, 
you know, when all was said and done, it was a great stoppage by Herb Dean because Tony never went down. He never got dropped. Uh, he managed to stay on his feet somehow. Uh, that great balance from all the years of salsa dancing and break dancing, I guess. Um, but you could tell he was out. Um, and Herb Dean did a good job of stepping in there. And, um, you know, credit to Justin Gaethje, man. It was the best he's ever looked, in my opinion. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Yeah, dude, Justin Gaethje looked phenomenal in there. Just pieced Tony Ferguson up. And um, you, like you said, man, he looked scary in there. That left hook was doing wonders in the early rounds. You mm-hmm. know, it was landing heavy. And like you said, I think that would put down anybody else in the division, the way he was landing that left hook, man. Mm-hmm. Um, just tore up Tony Ferguson's face. And I think I forgot who said this might've been you, Bill or Joe Rogan. Um, but somebody said that, um, by the end of this fight, Tony Ferguson looked the way he makes other fighters look yeah. at the end of the fight. So, uh, phenomenal job from Justin Gaethje, man, just being able to keep his composure, you know, his coaches, uh, told him during his corner, cause you could hear everything that was going on, which is pretty interesting. Uh, and a little weird at times, you know, especially mm-hmm. with the heavyweights and how heavy they breathe, but, <clears throat> Uh, you know, his cornerman was telling him, um, you know, don't get too excited. The last time you got comfortable and the last time you got excited and, and you were enjoying yourself, you got knocked out the last two times. So, you know, they, they did a good job of helping him keep his composure. And, dude, just I, I'm always so surprised when I see Justin Gaethje because uh, leading up to this weekend, I was watching some of his older fights in the World Series of Fighting, and he's such a good wrestler. He's got the credentials, and he just never that, – that that was never his go-to. He was happy to yeah. stay on the beat and strike with people. And, you know, the way he – in his old fights, he was willing to take so much damage and, you know, just prove that he had a tough chin. You know, he's not going for that. He didn't go for that on Saturday. And I think that that one improves his longevity. You know, it improves, it elongates his career. And two, um, it makes for a very scary Justin Gaethje, man. I I did not think that that's how that fight was going to go. I really thought Tony Ferguson had this one just because of his repertoire and his body of work, man. But Justin Gaethje brought it on Saturday. Yeah. And and even watching the fight, you thought that's the way it was going to go. Uh, because you saw Gaethje start to gas, uh, you know, even at the end of that first round. And he admitted publicly that his cardio wasn't great because he didn't have time to prepare, but he knew he had to take this opportunity. So you would think the fight would benefit Tony Ferguson as it went on. And um, even watching the fight, I thought that's the way it was going to go. I thought Gaethje would punch himself out. Uh, You know, Tony was taking those shots like a champ. And, um, you know, you thought he would come back and, and come up with a game plan in the later rounds like he normally does. Uh, and it just didn't happen. I, I mean, uh, Gaethje pumped the brakes a little bit and, and still controlled the pace of the fight. And he just did an awesome job, man. A quick shout out my, my brother-in-law, Dave Bernardino, watching from New York while having some drinks. Pretty cool. We'll get the, we'll get the fam tuning in today, Jeff. It's a big day. Ever yeah, since shout out to this- Dave, dude. I haven't seen him since his wedding. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that was a good time. Um, it's it's a it's been fun uh since since we're on the facebook live now we get all all these people uh tuning in for the show my buddy matt blackstock watching the show here too uh he he sent some emojis through um yeah man so 
what I liked was uh was Gaethje's post fight too. The way he took off the interim belt and threw it on the floor, and Joe Rogan is like, "What are you doing?" He's like, oh, "I'm waiting for the real one." And it, he oh, just yeah, like <laughs> he just said it like what I love about Gaethje is is the dude is so straightforward and so honest. He never has to think about his responses because he just says what he's thinking. And, and like, that was, that was gold, man. That was like, you know, most PR companies would have to think a long time to come up with something like that. Like, Hey, wait a second. What about if at the end of the fight, you, you throw the belt on the ground and you, and you say you're waiting for the real one after you fight Khabib. Um, but that's just how he felt at the time, man. He took it off and he's like, no, this isn't the championship. Um, and you know, it was a great point. And, uh, I, I think it, it made an awesome way to market to fight with Khabib, which I'm really excited for because I think Gaethje's a, an, an excellent matchup for him. I, I think so even more so now, now that we've seen that, you know, he can have that kind of gas tank and kind of temper his pace, uh, and, and make adjustments. Um, I, I think it's going to be a really fun fight to see. Yeah, Bill. So before we move on, I got two questions for you. Um, and great analysis, by the way. I'm really excited for Gaethje versus Khabib, especially. I feel like Gaethje definitely has the advantage standing up wrestling. I, I couldn't tell you. But um, my first question is, how much do you think that making weight a couple of weeks ago and then having to make weight again in such a short amount of time affected Tony Ferguson in this performance? And I can't remember the other one for some reason. But... And why don't you answer the first one, and then I'll see if I remember the second one. Yeah, I mean, it's possible. Um, you know, I, I don't think he was doing that sort of thing for attention. I think Tony Ferguson really has a moral code where he was like, I was contracted to fight on this date, and, uh, you know, I'm going to go through with my commitment. Uh, I don't think Tony cuts a whole ton of weight to make 155, um, and the same with Gaethje. Um, I mean, you know, you could nitpick it as much as you want. Um, but, uh, you know, I don't think we saw the best Tony Ferguson. I don't think we saw, uh, the best game plan. I think he, his, his team was even kind of expecting what we all were. And that was for Justin to kind of gas out, um, and, and that he would just have to weather the storm. And then after that, um, you know, you even heard Eddie Bravo in his corner. He's like, maybe go for an Eminari role. <laughs> and, he, and, and he said it like said it like almost like a question and and for those who don't know an iminari is when you basically uh do a shoulder roll on the ground and and cup your hand around your opponent's ankle and do a leg lock entry um and it's it's a risky th it's almost like a hail mary in mma um you know the best example i could think of is when rory mcdonald did it um against uh was it against robbie lawler that he uh, did um it, it might have been him or gigar musasi no no, I, no 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 it was um it was against wonder boy um and it, it just looks it, it just looks like a desperate move it's like <laughs> uh, it's like man is it that that's what you're doing right now i mean it's not gonna it the only way it works is if you catch somebody by surprise you can't it, it it's just it's just like shooting a takedown. Like you can't do it from across the cage. You gotta, you, you gotta close the distance and get in, get in tight on them. Um, but yeah, even the corner was thinking like, man, this guy's like fighting like the Terminator. We thought he'd be gassing out by now. 
<clears throat> they didn't say that, but you know, that was kind of their demeanor. They didn't, they really didn't have an answer. Whereas, um, you know, Gagey with, with Trevor Whitman, who's, who's one of the most underrated, uh, head coaches in MMA, in my opinion, the guy's just like a quiet genius. He, he always has awesome corner advice. And now with ESPN, they have him uh, doing the in between rounds, like interpreting the corners advice kind of thing, which I think he's awesome at. And I, I always like hearing his insight there. Um, but yeah, man, uh, you know, Gaethje just had that game plan. And, and the other thing, which, which, makes the fight with Khabib more interesting is like nobody finishes Gaethje by going the distance with him. The only way Justin Gaethje has lost fights is, is when he got his brain shut off. And even then he continues to fight. Um, so that seems like the only way to beat him. And yeah, he does have outstanding wrestling in open space. Uh, I'll say this and it might sound crazy. He's got better wrestling than Khabib. Hmm. Um, and, and that's open space, like freestyle wrestling, um, takedown for takedown in open space, no cage, um, in a straight up wrestling match. I think Gaethje would beat him just from watching Gaethje wrestle as a division one, all American. Um, but when you put the cage in, that's where Khabib gets tricky. Uh, you know, his, his cage wrestling is, is phenomenal, but you, you're not going to see him like shoot a double leg in open space. Um, so, and, but by the same token, that might hurt Gaethje's defense because yeah, if Khabib's shooting on him in open space, which he's not going to do, uh, a D one, all American is going to be able to stuff you nine out of 10 times, but up against the cage, it's a different world. Mm. Uh, you know, where he's grabbing a hold of your leg and he's just pulling you down into deep water. Um, it, I, I think it's a really interesting matchup because, you know, obviously Khabib's never been, never been defeated and, the only way Justin Gaethje has been defeated, the only blueprint we have is to knock him out cold, uh, which Khabib doesn't do to people. Yeah. Um, so it, it's really going to be a matter of like, you, you know, which guy's style capes, which, which makes a really interesting fight. Even though I'm really devastated, we'll probably never, never see Khabib versus Tony. Uh, anything, else, anything else on the, yeah, that was actually my second question, but uh, you basically answered it. I don't think <clears> – <throat> I think this dashes all hopes for Tony versus Khabib. Um, you know, I, I don't know, man, especially if Gaethje beats Khabib, maybe you do a loser's bracket. But That might, even be, our, that might be the best-case scenario. If Gaethje beats Khabib and, and, like, knocks him out in the first round, um, you, you know, maybe we get to see Tony – Tony versus Khabib. I mean, Tony's 36, which uh, by any other standard for a lighter weight fighter, um, you, you know, he would be in it in his, in his golden years as a fighter right now. But, you know, Tony's a freak of nature, man. Uh, and uh, in any case, uh, I, I know he's recovering well, cause they, they show the video of him salsa dancing in the hospital, <laughs> which is awesome. <laughs> Classic Tony Ferguson. Um, but I mean, you can't help but, but root for Tony Ferguson. He's been through so much, um, you know, and he was never supposed to be one of the best fighters ever, you know, coming off the ultimate fighter. You always thought like, all right, this guy's going to be like a, a pretty solid journeyman. He's going to be a tough test for a lot of people. Um, but he went on to, to, uh, win so many fights. In fact, he was undefeated for Henry Cejudo's entire career, uh, from his first MMA fight until his retirement on Saturday night or alleged retirement, which uh, let's get into that, Jeff. So the co-main event, Harry Cejudo retains his bantamweight championship against the former champ, Dominic Cruz. 
and then uh, retires. Uh, let's talk about the fight. Uh, I know there's a lot of controversy with the stoppage. I've kind of, I've kind of gone back and forth with it since it happened. Um, uh, but let, let's get into the actual fight itself. I, I thought Cejudo looked good. Um, you know, clear win in the first round. Uh, Dominic Cruz's movement was not an issue for him at all. Uh, Cruz had some moments where where he popped Cejudo a couple of times in that second round. Um, but I feel like uh, Cruz was just not getting off his game plan uh, the way he does against most people. I felt like he was hesitant with the takedowns because Cruz is famous for he'll shuffle to the right, and then as he's shuffling back to the left, he'll grab a leg and a collar and just kind of bump and kind of knock guys over. Uh, and it works because you don't expect that coming. It's a very weird takedown. Um, and, and I feel like he didn't follow through. The thing with takedowns is in order for them to work, you have to commit to them. And and it's risky sometimes, um, but that's the only way they're going to work. Like Shooting for takedowns is, is risky. And I think uh, because of Cejudo's wrestling credentials, he was holding back on that a little bit. And then we just saw a, a tiny bit slower Dominic Cruz wasn't able to capitalize on his on his you know trademark footwork and um and, and we saw henry cejudo that wasn't phased by the footwork was cutting off the cage was doing a great job of getting in and out he was quicker uh he was landing the harder shots um and, and he looked good man i mean on paper i would have thought and i said this last week on paper I don't think there's a way for Henry Cejudo to beat Dominic Cruz, but then there's that X factor, man, that championship X factor where he just finds ways to win and he gets better every time we see him in the octagon. Um, and, and we'll get to the stoppage um, next, but give me your thoughts on, on just the fight, Jeff. Yeah, Bill, you know, I, I'm a huge Dominic Cruz fan, um, but Henry Cejudo came out there with the right game plan, dude. Showed a lot of staying power, you know, didn't let... Dominic Cruz's movement fluster him. And also, Bill, I loved the leg kicks, man. Because not only were they slowing uh, Dominic Cruz down, but it seemed like first, maybe it's because, like you said, he looked a little bit slower. But Henry Cejudo was able to read Dominic Cruz like we've never seen. We've never seen that before. Mm -hmm. um, maybe you could argue Cody Garbrandt, um, but... Dude, just the leg kicks. Um, they were so well-timed. It seemed that every time that Dominic Cruz was going, uh, shuffling back toward one way, there was a leg kick there waiting for him. Mm -hmm. um, like, he was going into the leg kicks. Um, so, huge credit to Henry Cejudo and his mm -hmm. camp because I'm sure they probably talked about that and worked on that, probably watched a lot of tape. So, huge credit to Henry Cejudo and his camp's fight IQ, man. Um, I, I'll be honest with you, but I was really impressed. Um, and I've been a little bit back and forth to the stoppage as well. But um, uh, if it weren't for that stoppage, if there had been a third round, I had it two rounds to zero for Henry Cejudo. Um, he just went in there with the right game plan, didn't get flustered, was able to read Dominic Cruz really well. And, uh -huh. and he just, he made Dominic Cruz look, like he had no business being in there. And I yeah. never thought I'd say that, uh, you know, about Dominic Cruz. Cause like I said, I'm a huge fan. I have a huge bias towards Dominic Cruz, but you know, I got to admit when he got bested and Henry Cejudo had his number. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I, I had a two rounds to none as well. I know I've heard rumblings of a couple of people who did score that second round for Dominic Cruz. I don't really see uh, why 
Um, but he, you know, he did have his moments in that round, but, uh, you know, he took that big knee at the end. So I think that alone and the way the round ended would have given the round to Henry, uh, even if he did make it through. Um, yeah. So Keith Peterson stops the fight with two seconds to go in the second round. And the, the problem with the stoppage for a lot of people is knowing about MMA and knowing who Dominic Cruz is, knowing how tough he is and how well-spoken he was in, in articulating that he wasn't out at the end of the fight. Uh, and then, you know, there was only two seconds. He could have let it go. Um, but then if you know Keith Peterson, he does not give a fuck, Jeff. He does not give one fuck what you think, who you are in there as a fighter. He's going to do what he thinks is the right decision. And maybe it was a little bit early, um, especially if you know Dominic Cruz. And I know Dominic Cruz tried to tell Keith Peterson before the fight, like, let me go out of my shield, let this thing go. Keith Peterson doesn't care, man. And, and I've said for a long time, I, I've been a big advocate of him as the best in the business right now. And I, I still stand by that, even though I, I've gone back and forth on it and, and I want to defend Keith Peterson. I do think he stopped it too early. I think Cruz could have kept fighting. Uh, but at the same time, um, I I got to give credit to Chris, uh, to Keith for, um, for sticking to his guns. You know, he made a split second decision. Um, you know, there, there are seconds between letting guys take unnecessary brain damage and he made the call he made, he stood by it. Um, and that, that's that. I know a lot of people jumping on him, especially because so many people dislike Henry Cejudo. I made a, I made a joke of a tweet, Jeff, where I said it was awesome for Henry Cejudo, Cejudo to, uh, to retire in an audience full of all his fans. <laughs> <laughs> that was a good one, dude. Oh, um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, <laughs> in any case, I, I still stand by the fact that Keith Peterson is, is the best referee out there. I mean, you, you've never, you never really heard a bad thing about the guy. Uh, most people didn't even know who he was until now, unless you listen to this show, because I always give him credit for doing such an awesome job. And, um, you know, he doesn't give a fuck, man. He, he doesn't care who you are. Um, he's going to make the decision that he feels is right. And, and he's not going to apologize for it. He feels like he's looking out for the safety of the fighters. And that's that. Um, so in any case, uh, I, I do think it was stopped early, but at the same time, um, you know, that's, that's the way the game goes, man. Uh, you know, Cruz said it himself. In addition to the comments about saying that Keith Peterson smelled like alcohol and, and cigarettes. And, you know, if that's the case and he's still doing a better job than all of these other refs, you know, 99% of the time, um, then what does that say about the rest of these referees that are in there? Like that you always hear their names making shitty decisions. I'm not going to name names, Mark Goddard. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> um, yeah, so I think that was just Dominic Cruz being frustrated. And he even admitted later on, like he shouldn't have been in that position. He shouldn't have got hit with that knee. Uh, and that was that. So let's talk about Cejudo retiring, man. Uh, does it come a, as a surprise? 33 years old, two division champion, Olympic gold medalist. Um, he, he wasn't making a ton of money. I don't know that he's like set for life. I don't know if he has something else lined up. Uh, but you know, he was making that championship money, you know, pay-per-view points for a couple of fights. I don't know, Bill. Um, you know, it's tough because Cejudo's not a big draw, dude. Um, you know, if he's the top billing on a pay-per-view, 
you know, it's not turning too many heads. Uh, yeah. he, you know, I, and I always felt like that about him. And, you know, that's where this whole triple cringe thing comes from. You know, he, he started talking to, to get some attention, um, you know, try to make some more money. Um, but I, I, I don't know, dude. Uh, I, you know, he said it in the interview, uh, you know, at the post-fight press conference. He didn't mm-hmm. want to be like BJ Penn and really not know when to retire. He wanted to retire on top. And I don't think you can blame him for that, dude. Um, I mean, look at his last four fights, who he's beaten. Um, Demetrius Johnson, TJ Dillashaw, you know, the greatest flyweight champion of all time. One of the best. Bantamweight champions of all time, two-time Bantamweight champion. Uh, Marlon Moraes, who was tearing up that Bantamweight division. Mm-hmm. A lot of people thought that it should have been him versus Cruz for that Bantamweight championship. And now Dominic Cruz, who probably one of the best Bantamweight champions of all time, at least top two. You know, longest reigning. Uh, he's another guy uh, with two uh, reigns in the Bantamweight uh, division. Probably, if you added them up, it's probably like, almost 2000 days of him, mm-hmm. of him reigning as Bantamweight champion. So Bill, I mean, his, his resume is looking really nice. Um, you know, I don't blame him for wanting to retire. Um, you know, be, beating the best in both weight classes, uh, winning the Olympic gold medal. And, you know, I'm, I'm with you a little bit, Bill. I, I'm, I agree with you that at first I thought it was an early stoppage, but then when I watched the replay, you know, there were like 10 or 11 unanswered shots and I don't blame Keith Peterson for wanting to protect Dominic Cruz, dude. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was getting up, but he was also getting drilled. Like <laughs> maybe let it go another couple of seconds for the round to finish. That was my big issue with it was, you know, there, there were only a few seconds left. Let him finish the round. Yeah. But, you know, I totally see where Keith Peterson's coming from. Um, and, you know, I, I think we got some sour grapes with Dominic Cruz, man. Um, as much as I love him and, you know, he's well-spoken and all, um, you know, I, I don't think a ref would want to do him like that, you know, um, for lack of a better term. I think the ref did the right thing. You know, he's looking out for the fighter, um, you know, uh, and like we said, you know, we even texted about this right after the card. Dominic Cruz wasn't looking so hot before the before the finish. Yeah, yeah, and I think that was part of his frustration at the end as well, too, and that's why yeah. he kind of lashed out at, at Keith Peterson there. And, yeah, man, all great points. Um, and, and Cejudo, you know, not the most popular guy. I mean, I, I, I've been a fan of, of his fighting for a while now, and I've been really impressed with how much he's improved. And uh, I just want to point out here, uh, our buddy Chris Allen commented, let the bantamweight division shake up a bit, and then a year or so from now, Cejudo will be back for a super fight. Maybe, um, maybe for more money. Yeah, maybe for more money. I don't know what it, what the details of his contract are because somebody has said to me like maybe he'll go fight in Ryzen or something and have that a rematch with Demetrius Johnson and they'll definitely pay him a big paycheck for that. Um, I mean one, not Ryzen, one championship. Um, but if he's still under contract with the UFC, it doesn't matter if he retired. Uh, if he still has fights on his contract, um, he can't go fight anywhere else. Mm. Um, but if he doesn't, then, uh, you know, that's a possibility. But, you know, hey, if he's made some smart business decisions and some smart investments and he's had good people handling his money, um, you know, it, it, it's possible he's he's got a million or two tucked away in the bank. Um, is that enough to retire off of at 33 years old? No. 
you can't live off that money for the rest of your life. Um, but you know, maybe he's got some other ventures lined up. It, it definitely shuts up, uh, the trash Dominic Cruz was talking about Cejudo. Like you're, you're nobody without your championships and, and you don't even have an identity. And Cejudo's like, well, I'm going to knock you out and then I'm going to retire at 33 years old. And you're still trying to do this at, at 35. Uh, <laughs> even though Cruz, you know, has some other things lined up and everything like that. But, um, you know, last laugh for, uh, last laugh for, um, Cejudo on that one, man, you know, you know, uh, Dominic Cruz is, is left talking about, uh, how the referee was drunk (laughs) (laughs) and then dave comes back to say bring back gsp to clean house and he's been in the best shape he's ever been in his life gsp just inducted to the ufc hall of fame uh a lot of people uh if you if you didn't watch pay-per-view might not have realized that i thought it was a little bit of a dig to gsp because everybody else who's been inducted they do it in front of a crowd and they're there and they get to stand up and wave at the crowd you know but they did GSP, um, you know, they couldn't wait a couple of months to induct them when they when they have an audience again. But I, who knows? Because I know the UFC is annoyed with him because he would go away and then come back and then he wins the middleweight championship and then just gives it up. Um, but whatever. In any case, let's get to the rest of this card here, Jeff. Uh, how how scary is? Is quarantine in Ganu, <laughs> like, dude. dude? This is the last thing you want to see. You're you're fighting a a world a global pandemic, right? There's there's murder hornets and everything out there. Um, but out there is safer than being in there with Francis and Ganu. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, oh. there's viruses. There's decapitating hornets, like biting the head off of of honeybees, and then you got this monster, <laughs> Francis Ngannou, who he gets in there with Rosenstrike. Who I, you know, I got to be honest, Jeff. I thought Rosenstrike would be, would be able to avoid the big shots. He's got so much experience as a kickboxer. He did so well in there with with Overeem, even though he was losing the entire fight, you know, we knew he had the power. We know he has the power to end everything with one shot, but, um, Engano just going back to the Engano of old man, uh, no hesitation, just like sprints at Rosenstrike and whiffed three times. He struck out and then somehow hit the fourth pitch out of the park. <laughs> it's like, it's like he struck out and then reached back and crack the ball out of the catcher's mitt. <laughs> like, yeah. That's what this was like. We saw him whiff, 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 knockout. It, it was crazy um, and exciting and awesome. And uh, let me hear your thoughts on it, Jeff. Bill, it was scary, man. Um, dude, and then Rosen strikes up against the cage. His his knees bent the wrong way. And, oh, man. Um, and he's just lying there. Like, he, he couldn't even be there for for when they announce the winner oh man dude i just hope he's okay um bill from what i've read from what i've read um so far uh with this coronavirus thing i think there's like a one percent um death toll so far mm-hmm. uh, like of all the people who've gotten it one percent have died i think that the numbers for surviving an attack from francis and ganu it like you know anywhere that doesn't have a rule set, I think it's like a thousand percent, dude. Um, I, 
dude, I, you know, I, I wouldn't want to get into a street fight with Francis and Gano where there are no rules, where there's nobody stopping him. Yeah. You know, if he puts you to sleep, um, dude, uh, man, it was just scary. You know, he's like and- a freak that they made in a lab. Like he's training at the UFC Performance Institute with like not really a camp. <laughs> you know, he's, he's just like. They're just working on him like some kind of science experiment. Yeah, dude. He's like that Russian dude um, that Dolph Lundgren portrays in Rocky Four. Um, what was his name? I can't even Dra- Ivan Drago. That's who he reminds me of. <laughs> He's a Cameroonian Ivan Drago. Bill, I, you know, my first thought when when the knockout happened was, how the hell did Stipe Miozic beat this guy? <laughs> like, um- yeah, man. I mean, that's where Stipe doesn't get enough credit, I think, uh, because he shut Ngannou down, man, uh, and and definitely didn't get enough credit. You know, people are kind of ragging on him now for not taking the fight with Cormier, which I think is messed up. Real quick, shout out to my buddy Henzo Altuna um, for for the comment here. Uh, Henzo does a he does some great uh, MMA breakdowns in, in Espanol. If you guys are interested in that, if you guys are fluent Spanish speakers, go check him out. MMA Fini. Um, so yeah, with Stipe, he's getting a lot of criticism for for not booking the fight with Cormier, and um, I, I don't really understand why the guy totally gets a pass on this one. Like, there's a global pandemic, and he's a first responder. Like, if anybody gets a pass for for turning down a fight uh, in a certain timeline. It's the guy that's out fighting fires and, and responding to medical emergencies during a global pandemic. I mean, I don't really see there. There's no other side to this argument. Um, and, and also he's like, my gym is closed. I can't go and train. We're following the governor's orders right now. Uh, he's like, I'm not going to go and break the rules and train uh, for a world heavyweight championship fight. So, uh, but yeah, man, uh, obviously that fight's going to happen, Cormier and Stipe. And then I imagine Ngannou's got to be second in line. But, uh, you know, this fight's not going to happen anytime soon uh, with, with Stipe and, and Cormier. Maybe not till uh, maybe not till the fall. Yeah, Bill. I mean, we don't have really a, a timeline or an end date for all this. Uh, so, you know, it's... It, We'll see, but um, uh, yeah, dude. Um, yeah, I, I agree with you 100. I don't think Stipe gets enough credit, dude, because you know he gassed Nganu out, he out wrestled him, he outstruck him, um, and he avoided getting you know murdered. So <laughs> yeah, uh, it was an awesome performance. Uh, another great fight on this card. Uh, I feel like I keep just keep saying that all the way down the list. Calvin Cater and Jeremy Stevens, man, uh, these guys went at it. These guys are are two very similar fighters. But like I was saying last week, Calvin Cater's boxing is just a little bit more polished. He has a little bit more technique, whereas Jeremy Stevens is a little bit more raw, a little bit more aggressive. And I felt like Calvin had a hard time uh, kind of downloading those patterns from Jeremy in the beginning. Uh, because you know, Jeremy was kind of smothering him a little bit. Um, but once he was able to pick up Jeremy's timing, he came in, faked that right cross and just came through with this elbow, uh, that it was unlike any standing elbow I've seen in MMA in, in recent memory, man, because he just, 
He stepped so close into it. He stepped so far into it. It's like he put his elbow through Jeremy Stevens' head, which is what you have to do to knock Jeremy Stevens out because that guy's got a hard head. He's tough as hell. Uh, awesome performance by Calvin Cater. Definitely boosts him up. Um, and, and yeah, man, it, it, there couldn't be a, a bigger win for him than right now, especially uh, after that great performance uh, coming off of against the beat where he, he hunted him down in that third round and showed that that guy is beatable. What are your thoughts, Jeff? Yeah, dude, Calvin Cater looked great in that second round, dude. Uh, I And it was exciting, dude. I couldn't really tell you who won the first round just because, you know, to me it was it was looking really good. I felt like Calvin Cater was doing a good job of the counterpunching. But, dude, in that second round, that elbow was nasty. And then, you know, it, it was like a counter elbow. Like he kind of slipped a shot and then hit it. And then um, – the elbow on the ground that just cut uh, Jeremy Stevens open, dude. Mm -hmm. and, and that was really what finished the fight was that elbow on the ground. Um, his elbows are like razor sharp, dude. You got to give his Muay Thai credit too. Uh, you know, that comes from, from a really good Muay Thai training. So mm -hmm. huge credit to Calvin Cater. There's a huge feather in his cat in his cap and you know bill this was one of the fights that we were talking about last week th that this was going to go to a finish you know they wouldn't leave this one in the hands of the judges um a little disappointed that jeremy stevens missed weight but you know we talked about this as well last week you know he's getting up there in years uh maybe a move up in weight class would be good for him yeah i'm glad you brought that up and then you know I i'm the biggest critic of guys missing weight and girls missing weight as well uh you know, I, I've criticized people endlessly on this show. I'm not often critical of fighters for anything that they do, but missing weight is not doing your job. Um, if there's ever a time where it's like, okay, I can kind of understand it's during a pandemic when there's like shortages of, of meat and, and, you know, other types of food that like, maybe you always have the same exact diet while you're cutting weight. And you don't have access to those foods and you got to change things up, especially a guy like Jeremy Stevens, who I think is very regimented, probably always does the same thing uh, leading up to a fight. It's like, all right, I got to eat four ounces of chicken. I got to eat six ounces of broccoli and I do this and this and this every single day. And it's like, fuck, I can't get chicken. I got to eat this and this and that. And the calories get messed up. I'm not making excuses. And also five pounds is a fuck ton of weight to miss by. Um, but in any case, great fight. I'm looking forward to seeing them both fight again. Uh, I'll watch Jeremy Stevens, you know, fight anybody. Uh, so, and I, I think Calvin Cater uh, takes a big bump. Uh, we got a question from Robert Taylor, who is, is a, a fellow uh, appreciator of alcohol, uh, big craft beer guy. You go check out Robert Taylor if, you, if you're into craft beer. Ask what I'm drinking. I am currently drinking Tullamore Dew. Um, favorite of the show. Yeah, but this is... Um, uh, Caribbean rum cast finish. Uh, so you would really enjoy this one, Jeff, because I know you like the Tullamore Dew, and uh, the rum cast gives it a little bit of sweetness too. Um, so sounds good. Yeah, it's like that. I, it's got that Irish whiskey kind of like metallicy vanilla taste that that we know and love. Uh, but then it has that added sweetness from the rum cast because all that sugars, all the sugar from the rum kind of seep into the Irish whiskey. Um, so it's actually really nice. Uh, I was enjoying a, a, enjoying a, a cigar with some of this this, this weekend. Um, it was a good time. Uh, so thank you for that question there, Robert. 
and, and yes, it is tasty. Um, and it's super smooth too. Um, I was drinking it on ice in the beginning, but my ice melted. So I had to pour myself another drinking it neat now. So it's MMA neat right now. Uh, <laughs> let's continue down the line here. Jeff, Anthony Pettis with a unanimous decision over Cowboy Cerrone. Um, you know, a lot of people think this decision didn't go the right way. Uh, you know, Cowboy had some key takedowns in there. Um, I don't know. It was the eye poke from Pettis. It, it was a close fight. Um, you know, I know a lot of people are big fans of Cowboy, and I could, I thought he won. I, I thought the decision was going to go for him, but uh, when they announced Pettis's name, I was like, oh, all right. I think I seemed even less surprised than Anthony Pettis did because he looked and he was like, really? I won? <laughs> but um, it was a good fight, man. They, they, um, they were, it was real technical, which is kind of what I expected. I didn't expect like a, like a barn burner between these two guys because they respect each other and they're buddies. Um, but, you know, they started slugging it out at the end there, man. It was an exciting fight. Uh, so they put on a show. Cowboy will be all right, man. He could lose 12 in a row. People still want to want to watch him fight. Uh, <laughs> so he'll be okay. Uh, this big win for Pettis. And, uh, you know, for him, it kind of solidifies like, well, he beat Cowboy twice now. So uh, thoughts on this one, Jeff? Yeah, you know, not a lot of people can make that claim. But, you know, I kind of saw it for Cerrone as well. But I also thought it was super close. I could have seen... You know, I kind of saw why they gave it to Pettis. I kind of had round one definitely for him and maybe round two, you know, I, round three, I kind of I had for a cowboy. But, you know, it's one of those fights where it was super close, could have gone either way. Uh, but like you said, a really, really fun fight, really good way to uh, cap off the prelims. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um this is all kind of blending together for me. I didn't even re remember that that was the last fight on the prelims. All right. For the sake of time, Jeff, because we got two other cards to get into here. I'm going to give you a quick rundown of the rest of the card. And uh, as we always do, you tell me, you know, what impressed you the most, what stood out to you the most. We had Alexi Olenek and Fabricio Redoom in an awesome fight. Didn't go the way we expected, as a lot of the fights on this card did. Olenek landing the big clubbing shots with that unorthodox striking he has, just kept breaking through. And even in the clinch with those uppercuts against the former world champ, Redoom, I thought it was a clear victory for Olenek, but one judge disagreed. Split decision for Alexi Olenek. Carlos Barza defeated Michelle Watterson by split decision. Um, I, I didn't necessarily agree with that one either, but I didn't particularly care. Um, at, at the end, I thought Watterson won. They gave it to Esparza. I was like, all right, cool. What do we got next here? What am I going to, uh, I got to get another beer. Um, Vicente Luque and Nico Price fight of the night, hands down. These, these guys, I mean, every, every time either one of these guys are in there, you know, it's going to be a fucking war. And, and Nico price at, at first, when they brought in the doctor to look at his eye, it was just like a little cut on his eyelid. Like, Oh, that, that might not be that bad. And then he turns around and he's just mutated. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <dude>. His, his <laughs> entire, <laughs> he looked like Harvey two face from the Batman comic book. Like, <laughs> and it looked, it looked even worse because I think his, I think it was his right eye and his right cauliflower ear is like significantly worse. <laughs> Than the other side so it looks like the just the one side of his face had mutated and then his face looked like a blue waffle but uh <laughs> then we had uh bryce mitchell uh with a dominant performance over charles rosa pretty much the most you could 
legally beat a person up within 15 minutes uh, is what Bryce Mitchell did. Um, 30-24 on one judge's scorecard. Unanimous decision there. Um, the Ricardo Laborio black belt, Charles, Charles Rosa, um, it, it looked like a black belt rolling with a blue belt who has really good defense is what it looked like. Um, from what I understand, Bryce Mitchell is not even a black belt. He's a brown belt. Um, but, you know, in MMA, uh, a black belt doesn't mean as much um, as it does in, in actual competitive jujitsu, um, you know, because there's so many different variables uh, there. Then we had uh, Ryan Spann with a split decision victory over Sam Alvey. Both guys had some awesome spots in this fight. Um, it looked like Ryan Spann was largely controlling the fight, um, but then kind of gassed out towards the end and was getting hit just because he was like too tired to defend himself. In any case, Jeff, from uh, Olenek through Spann's victories, uh, give me your thoughts here. What 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 stuck out to you the most? Oh, definitely Vicente Luque versus Nico Price, man, because they just went at it. You know, they were beating the hell out of each other. Um, uh, Also, Robert Taylor is correct, Bill. Um, For those of you watching, um, do not Google what a blue waffle is. You will be disgusted. Definitely. um, No, Bill. What, what if we have children listening? They're going to be scarred for life, man. Hey, there's a disclaimer at the beginning of the show. This sh- the show is not intended for children. So, <laughs> so <laughs> I, did, I did my part there. Yeah, totally fair. But anyway, um, yeah, Vicente Luque versus Nico Price was just so exciting, dude. Um, and I love that they kept it standing. But uh, I think the doc got it on this one, dude. Um, because Nico Price, that eye was closed. Mm-hmm. And even if it wasn't, there's no way he could see out of it. Yeah. Um, you know, if it was Rocky, he would have asked Mick to cut him. But, you know, this is real life. So, um, cut me, Mick. <laughs> uh, so definitely go back and watch that one. And Bryce Miss Mitchell versus Charles Rosa, dude. Um, Bryce Mitchell putting on a grappling clinic here. And, you know, Charles Rosa was smart enough and intelligent enough to know that Mitchell was going for the twister. So he held that off a few times. Dude, um, Bryce Mitchell just dominating this fight, man, especially on the ground. And, Bill, this fight made me glad that there was no crowd because if there had been a crowd there, they all would have been booing because for some reason people don't appreciate grappling. Um as much so i felt like if there was a crowd there it would have been booze for three rounds but because there was no crowd there you could appreciate what bryce mitchell was doing man his offense like everything was connected to everything else if he wasn't going for the twister he was going for the arm triangle it wasn't for that he was going for an arm bar um so just you know really really nice uh grappling from bryce mitchell and credit to charles rosa dude um for that impregnable defense (laughs) yeah yeah, he wasn't going to get pregnant with that defense. <laughs> yeah, dude. It's the Mike Tyson talking. Watching, <laughs> I was watching Mike Tyson trash talk before he started. That's what you do to get hyped for the show? Watch yeah. Mike Tyson talk? I always got to fornicate with females. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, but yeah, excellent display of jiu-jitsu from Bryce Mitchell. I'm not a big believer in the twister submission myself. There's a reason we've only seen two of them in the UFC. Uh, just because it it there's such a simple defense to it. You know, you just got to get your shoulders to the mat. And um, 
and, and block the arm from coming over your head, which is what, uh, you know, Rosa did, but he couldn't help getting in that position time after time. Um, so at least he didn't get finished with it. Um, but just to get put in that position a couple of times, um, but, you know, as there starts to be more tape on Bryce Mitchell, and people know this is his thing that he goes for, uh, they'll start to figure it out. And then he'll adapt and he'll come up with some other stuff as he did, you know, within that fight. Um, yeah, man. So overall, I think we could put a bow on UFC 249 here. I, I mean, we could go we could go on probably for another hour just on this card. Um, you know, if we really wanted to get into the weeds of it, because it was just so awesome. So many implications we could go into, you know, what's next for everybody else, but we don't know what's next. We don't know what the future holds, Jeff. You know, we, you know, if these murder hornets take over, we might not see another UFC card until 2022. Um, not if Francis Ngannou has anything to say about it, though. <laughs> yeah, that's what we have to do. Do the murder hornets know that Francis Ngannou exists? Because if they did, they wouldn't fuck with America right now. They'd be like, no, let's move on. Let's migrate to Canada. <laughs> um, and in any case, <laughs> um, we got another fight night Wednesday night. So day after tomorrow, Jeff, we got another fight night. Um, so maybe we'll do a midweek podcast. I don't know. Um, we, yeah, I'd be we, down for that. I got nothing going on. Maybe we got to fit another one in. It seems like uh, people are liking the Facebook Live. We're getting a... We're getting more people uh, on the live chat now than usual. So maybe we'll do a Facebook live midweek. Uh, you know, maybe we'll do it while we're watching the fights or something. I don't know. But in any case, fight night 171 also from Jacksonville, Florida. I guess they're just going to leave the cage put up over there in Jacksonville. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, Anthony Smith and Glover to share a main event. Give me your thoughts, Jeff. Hold on, Bill. Before I get into that, um, I noticed something on Saturday that the UFC was very good about, and I appreciated this. After every fight, there was a cleaning crew in there wiping down the cage. Um, at least that's what it looked like in the beginning. I don't know if they kept doing it, but, um, you know, I appreciated that. Good, good to take care of the fighters. You know, there's sweat everywhere, blood everywhere, so good on them. But Anthony Smith versus Glover Teixeira. Bill, I don't know how this is going to go, dude. Because Anthony Smith, he's a great fighter. He's in his prime. Glover Teixeira cannot say the same. He is, you know, he's getting up there in years. Um, I don't know, dude. Uh, I don't think this is a good fight for Glover Teixeira to take. Uh, yes, he's a good grappler. Yes, he's a good striker. But I feel like Anthony Smith is just a little bit better at mixing those two things together. Mm -hmm. Um and, you know, John Jones has made both of these guys um, not look good. So if you're going based on that, uh, I don't think that's a good um, way to measure these two guys. But, um, you know, I think this is going to be a good fight. I just don't know what we can see from Glover Teixeira. I can't recall off the top of my head his last fight. You know, it's been a while. Mm -hmm. Uh They've both fought Alexander Gustafson and Anthony Smith was able to beat him in the last round, you know, was able to make him tap. So I don't know, dude, uh, you know, both really good grapplers, both can finish submissions, both can finish fights. So I don't know, dude, I feel like Anthony Smith's striking is just a little bit more technical. It's a little bit sharper than Glover Teixeira. Um, and you know, the, the age thing is a factor, especially in the light heavyweight division. Um, I don't know, Bill. I just I don't see it going well for Glover Teixeira. But yeah. maybe I'm a little biased. What do you think? Yeah, 
um, I'm with you. When I when I first heard of this fight, I'm like, man, Glover's 40 years old. Uh, he's up there. But I think I thought the same thing when he was about to fight Nikita Krylov in his last fight, who he beat. And I think I thought the same thing when he was going to fight Iwan Kutilaba, who he submitted. And I think I thought the same thing when he was going to fight Carl Roberson, who he submitted in the first round. Um, and, you know, these are three of the top prospects in the light heavyweight division. Yeah. And, you know, a 39-year-old Glover Teixeira beat all of them when he wasn't supposed to. He was supposed to be a stepping stone for these guys. Um, so while I do think that, um, you know, Anthony Smith's skill set pretty much everywhere is a little bit better and he's younger and he's stronger and he's faster. Glover Teixeira is just one of these guys that you can't count out. You know, he's got that old man strength. Uh, you know, he's been getting in there and showing these whippersnappers what's what in the, inside the cage. Um, and, you know, my, my gut tells me that Anthony Smith is going to do just fine against Glover Teixeira. But then my head kind of steps in and says, wait a second. You thought the same thing against these last three young guys that got in there with Glover, uh, and, and it didn't go that way. So I don't know, man. I think it's an interesting main event. Uh, I'm looking forward to it. Uh, and I, we were talking offline before the, the, the show started, like these next two cards coming up pale in comparison. Um, you know, even if they were all happening in one night, pale in comparison to UFC 249. Uh, you know, we got spoiled right out of the gate. Um, but I think there's a lot of interesting things here. The co-main event, uh, Big Bren Rothwell is going to welcome Ovin St. Prue to the heavyweight division. This is another one that's that's really interesting to me because we know Ovin's has great submissions and he has great knockout power. But will that translate to the heavyweight division, especially to a legitimate heavyweight like Ben Rothwell, who is huge? Uh, who has great takedown defense, uh, who has great striking, is good pretty much everywhere. Um, it seems like a bad move for Ovens to move up to heavyweight, but then every time it seems like a bad move for somebody to move up and wait, uh, you know, they go and prove us wrong. But give me your thoughts on this co-main event here, Jeff. Oh, dude, I'm excited. I love Ben Rothwell, man. He's just got such a dad bod, but he's such a good fighter. And I feel like people underestimate him overall, dude. His grappling is serious. Um, you know, I'm excited for this one. I like the weight change for OSP. Um, I feel like he's going to be bringing a little bit more power. Um, he, I feel like the weight cut's going to be easier on his body as well. So I'm excited for this one, man. OSP is somebody who... He can be hot and cold, but man, you know, he, he always puts on a really good fight. And Ben Rothwell, uh, you know, he's got a couple of losses in, in his record, but uh, especially recently, but he's still got a lot of power. You know, TKO'd Stefan Struve back mm -hmm. in December, uh, has wins over Josh Barnett, uh, which, Bill, we were actually at that fight. Not together, but we were um, at that <laughs> car. I was in Newark. That's um, true. Yeah, dude. So, um, you know, and I just remember uh, that win against Ben Ra against uh, Josh Barnett because, you know, I, I thought Josh Barnett had that one in the bag, you know, such a good grappler um, and great MMA fighter overall. But, uh, you know, Ben Rothwell, you know, he took it to him, dude. And, you know, um, Josh Barnett is not somebody who, you know, he's no slouch in the grapple in the grappling department, you know, oh, very. Yeah. Very adept at uh, submission wrestling. Um, so, yeah, I, I just remember being so surprised that Ben Rothwell was able to tap him out. So, 
you know, Ben Rothwell's a tough customer, man. I don't think that's the first fight you want at heavyweight. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, um, for the sake of time, I'm going to, I'm going to point out a, a couple of big fights here, Jeff, and you just tell me uh, which ones you're looking forward to the most, uh, Alexander Hernandez and drew Dober. I think that's going to, that's going to be a really exciting fight. Um, you know, two, two guys who are up and coming in the UFC who have had their speed bumps and, and, uh, have had their, their highlight reels, uh, starting out as well. Uh, Ray Borg, uh, who moved up to bantamweight and, and missed weight, uh, is going to take on Ricky Simone. I think that's, Wait, have, have they even missed weight? Have they even waited yet? <laughs> no, but it, <laughs> it is that fight when he moved up, when he first moved up to bantamweight. Oh, oh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, I'll just go ahead and say he's going to miss weight this time. <laughs> now he's got the pandemic to blame it on. He's like, oh, you know, can, can give food. So it's like, dude, but you've missed weight in like nine of your last 11 fights. <laughs> yeah, he'll probably weigh in at 145 for that panel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> at 165. I thought we were starting this division. <laughs> uh, Carl Roberson and Marvin Vittori, th these guys have uh, pretty similar styles, both kind of like stiff, very technical strikers. Uh, that's an interesting matchup. Andre Orlovsky still kicking uh, against Felipe Linz. Uh, Michael Johnson and Tiago Moises. Um, Sajara Eubanks, let's just go ahead and say she missed weight. <laughs> against yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, and then we got Chase Sherman coming back to the UFC. Against uh, Isaac Villanueva. Bill, I'm really liking this Carl Roberson versus Marvin Vittori fight. Uh, Marvin Vittori is a tough dude, man, and so is Carl Roberson. Uh, you know, both fans of the stand-up game, so I, I don't think this will be a boring fight by any means. I also really like this Michael Johnson fight. Um you know, I don't know too much about Tiago Moises, but I am a fan of Michael Johnson. Uh, you know, never afraid to mix it up in there. Uh, he's <clears throat> able to get in and out quickly. Um, and I'm also excited for this Chase Sherman fight, dude. Uh, for me, Chase Sherman was somebody who, you know, he has a lot of potential, but he just, unfortunately, um, <clears throat> it, it just, things didn't work out. I felt like the competition was a little tough for him. So I'd like to see, you know, what he's been up to, what he's added to his arsenal here in the time that he has been out of the UFC. He did get, I don't know if he got cut a couple of years back, but he, you know, he wasn't I think in it for a couple long. times. I think, it, I think he's been in and out. He's been dipped like a tea bag in, in and out of the UFC. Huh. But yeah, he's had some fun fights. So, um, and then uh, I don't know if we're going to do another episode or not before uh, Fight Night 172, but I, I don't want to do a deep dive into that, Jeff. So maybe we'll, maybe we'll use that as a, as a point to, to do another episode this week. Um, but that, that's a fun card, too. It's some interesting matchups because, you know, we're, we're hitting that time, Jeff. We're, we've gone over our, our hour limit where we're all the people from, from Sweden and Finland start tuning out. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but in any case, I appreciate everybody who has uh, jumped onto the Facebook live. I'm glad we started doing the, the Facebook now, uh, cause this is fun interacting with like all people that we know and, and some people that we don't, um, you know, it's cool. It's, it's, it's fun to have, uh, people dropping comments. So let's, uh, 
let's continue to do that. And if you guys want to interact with us elsewhere on social media, we exist there too. You can follow Jeff at uh, animal underscore Wilson, Twitter and Instagram. And of course you guys know how to get a hold of me. It's at MMA on the rocks. Uh, I do my best to respond to everybody. Uh, I've been getting some awesome DMS and stuff uh, about some beer and liquor recommendations. And, and you guys are making my list grow and grow, but it can't get long enough. So let us know what you guys are thinking and drinking out there. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the live broadcast. Thanks for listening to the recorded podcast. Of course, wherever you're listening, please leave us a review. Um, if you leave us five stars and you make it funny, even if you roast us, I'll read, I'll read it out loud on the show. And, uh, you know, we can laugh at ourselves here. That's pretty much all we do. Uh, in any case, for Jeff the Animal Wilson, my name is Bill Welker. Until next time. Cheers, everybody. Bye.